good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Yes, you have definitely magnified the Christ presence here today. Yes. Uh. Probably one of the most important words in Scripture is the Christ in you, the hope of glory. And today we're here to magnify that presence, that power that's within us, which is not a person, but that part of God within all of us. And so today, being Easter, it's a glorious day to rise. It's a glorious day to rejoice. It's a glorious day to celebrate that presence that's here. Indeed, there is a magnificent celebration that's taking place everywhere, everywhere in this universe, because Easter doesn't make it happen, because new life and new beginnings are always and constantly happening everywhere. You know, in the traditional perspective, you know, when we celebrate Easter, it's a day like no other from a traditional Christian standpoint because every other day seems to pale in comparison. It seems to surpass the rest of the days of the year. But as I reflect upon that whole story, I... I have to tell you, it's a simple story, but for me, it's also been puzzling. In a nutshell, here's the story. Jesus was crucified on a wooden cross. They made him carry that cross. And they buried him in a tomb. People followed him, the body to the tomb. And, and then, a few days later, it was empty. So we ask the question, what does it mean for us today? As I think of this Easter story and how it applies to life, our life, I recall a play. I think it was called The Six Characters in Search of an Author. And there was a captivating opening scene of that play. And there were six performers that came on stage in front of the stage manager, and they were play, pleading and begging to the stage manager and saying, we want to live in you. In many respects, the Easter story is telling us the same thing. Because the more that we examine, the more that we embody the Easter story, the more we recognize that the underlying principle of the resurrection and the message for each and every one of us 
is that this power wants to live in you. The story wants to live in you. I want to live in you. So it's telling us, I want the spirit of the living God, your divinity, the life force within you. It's saying to us in so many words that to raise what you think is dead to life, to raise from defeat to victory, to raise from illness to wholeness, to raise from failure to success. The Easter story, when seen at its best, is not a backward glance, not a backward glance looking to the cross uh, on Golgotha, but rather a forward look to the quality of life as it forecasts it for every person. So no matter what the challenges you and I face, and in our life or in our world, we realize that with the right attitude, with the right perspective, we can go through them and even grow through them. And no hindrance or tomb of human despair can hold us back. And as I think back to my childhood coming up and being forced to go to church every week, you know, I had four brothers and three sisters. I always say that family took us to drop us off at church in order to give them a break. But I remember on Easter, you know, being a young child, you know, <clears throat> getting new suits and some new clothes and, you know, get a haircut when I had hair. <laughs> you know, shine your shoes. Had to be spick and span for Easter. I always thought that Easter was mainly about getting a new suit. <laughs> but it's really about getting a new garment, a different point of view. It's becoming and taking off the old of us and stepping into a new perception, a new reality. There was a young girl who was looking out her front window, and she was crying. She was crying because she was filled with grief. She was filled with despair because she saw her big brother carrying their lifeless dog who had been killed after being hit by a car. And her dad was there, a very wise man, and she was with her his daughter, and holding her, consoling her. And then he invited her to not look out that window, but look out another window. And he pointed to a bush, because this is spring was just beginning to sprung, or sp sprung spring. <laughs> and there was a, a single blossom on this bush. It began to unfold. And then all of a sudden, as she focused on that, a whole, her whole attitude changed. She let out an absolute squeal as a result of seeing this life unfolding. And then her dad, a very wise man, said, Sweetie, you see, it's important to look out the right window. You know, when it comes to the Easter story, Many times we spend a lot of time looking out the window, zeroing, zeroing in on what happened at Golgotha, Calvary, the site of the crucifixion. And as I think about the times I've gone to church in the past, we sing the song, The Old Rugged Cross. And it was so something to the effect of, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem <laughs> Suffering and shame. Yeah. I can't remember the rest of the words, but, but many times we're looking out the window only, looking out that window. 
And not the window that is forward, not the window that is inward. We oftentimes we gaze sadly maybe at the sunset, but a wise person looks toward the dawn. Because we're designed to look forward. We have, as I like to say, diviner genes in us that is always moving us forward with eager aspirations and dreams of possibilities. Yet we have, yes, our own crucifixions in life. But as Jesus Christ said, there will be trials, there will be tribulations in this world, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, we might update that a little bit and sing a few words from Bobby McFerrin. In your life you have some trouble. <laughs> but if you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. Yeah, y'all know that song too. <laughs> so look at the Easter story. And we look at that story for clues from the master teacher, Jesus, and look for tools on how we can see the story from a forward-looking perspective. We look at it from that perspective so that we may resurrect, that we may shine, that we may prove that anything that's ever happened to us does not have the final word of what we are or what we're capable of. So we look at the story and we ask, what did Jesus do? What was he thinking? What did he do and what was his way of thinking in life? And ask us how we can apply it to our own experiences. We ask those questions because, you know, the prudent person follows the footsteps of great people. A prudent person imitates those who have been outstanding in order to propel themselves forward. So we ask this question. We ask ourselves to come to this realization that one of the things that he did first and foremost is that he prayed all the time. He communed with that presence. He was in tune with that presence. He often stole away from the masses. He stole away from the multitudes and constantly kept his communion with that spirit high. As I like to say, he got away from the highly charged thought forms of the world to commune with that pure presence that we call God. So he kept his communion high, and he did not just do this when it was an emergency. You know, we don't read that in the Bible or any other book. We don't hear him saying, my God, it's an emergency. Things have really gotten bad. I got to pray. <laughs> no. That's what many human beings do. They say, my God, it's gotten so bad. I don't know what else to do now. I got to pray. <laughs> so, you know, he did it all the time. It was a way of life. Someone was healed. He went, you know, he prayed. He went to dinner, he went, he, they prayed. After dinner, they prayed. Someone was raised from the dead before and after they prayed. He was going there every day. It was his way of being. It was his way of being. So when he had the big moments, he was already prayed up. He was already ready. He didn't have to say, my God, what's the phone number, spiritual life center? I need to talk to a chaplain right now. <laughs> it was his way of life. And as we take a look forward, then we see Easter from a different perspective because this is the way that we need to live our life. In other words, Jesus is ready. So when the seeming betrayal in the form of Judas happened, he was prepared. You know, I understand at some point, all of us will experience life-seeming portrayals. We have them. 
The crucifixion is marked by betrayal. Sometimes it's a loss. And, and within that, if we see it through the right window, it is a wonderful gift. Because we know that no one comes into this human experience without experiencing loss, without experiencing suffering, without experiencing some sense of betrayal. Everyone at some point or another will experience the loss of someone where life betrays them, where they feel life should look a certain way and it doesn't. And then suddenly it shifts. And life doesn't look the way they think it should look anymore. You know, I've talked with people over the years, maybe a parent has experienced the loss of a child before them, which can be one of the worst experiences one can go through. People experience the sudden loss of someone close to them in their life. And when things like this happen, maybe not on that scale, we'll say, it's not right. Life should not be this way. I went to a memorial service to a college classmate a week or so ago. And, you know, he was a special guy. And he was evervescent. He radiated life. You know, when you were around him, you just knew that you were his best friend. That's how he made you feel. And then I realized we went to the memorial service. Everybody felt that he, they were their best friend. Everybody. And he, he has such talent. And, you know, he, he was a screen, screenwriter, and he had a great journey, and he ended up writing the screen, uh, the script, uh, the screenplay, uh, the screen uh, for uh, several movies. You know, as many of you may have seen or heard about, he wrote the, the script for uh, the movie Ali that Will Smith was in. He did that one. He did the, the script for uh, the movie uh, Harriet that came out uh, a couple of years ago. He did the screen for Remember the Titans. He's probably most remembered for that, if you those were sports figures. But he wrote that screen. He was really super talented. And I was thinking all the people that he touched, his classmates like myself, his, his mentees that he had given many scholarships to, uh, the people he grew up with, all of his family, and every single one of them were probably feeling like I felt, how could this be? He has so much life to offer. And I think we all experience that crucifixion of losing someone. Individuals experience all kinds of loss and so-called portrayals. The mark of Judas is upon all of us. No one escapes this. Yet I believe there's a magnificent gift in it. It has a tendency to draw the Christ presence out of us the deeper, more pure dimension of our being, that unadulterated something that has nothing to do with circumstances. It has nothing to do with situations, people, places, or things. There's something about us that's let us know that we're made the image and likeness and out of God that is unalterable, cannot be destroyed. That when the mark of Judas calls out our name, then something hidden comes out. A reservoir of strength comes out. A divine power comes out. An insight is born. And that can be the gift of those crucifixion experiences. I think when we look forward to, from a perspective of Easter, have that forward look, and apply the principle of being prayed up, we can see more readily. We can, like that father said to her daughter, we can begin to look through the right window. We have a seeing that empowers us rather than 
disempowers us. So Jesus was prayed up. So when the seeming betrayal in the form of Judas happened, he was ready. He was able to see through the right window. And he realized there was a gift there. The gift was his ability to see the seeming betrayal that helped him fulfill his mission as to why he came on the planet. That's why he could say, is for this purpose I was born. Now in the story, you know, there's uh, most translations to say that when he was on the cross, he, he said, you know, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, when you understand a little bit about Bible history and Bible translation, I'm going to have a short Bible course just to show how it all came to be. Many people have different interpretations. And I had an instructor that introduced us to what they call the Lambs of Bible. And it was an individual who knew original Aramaic. And he translated directly from Aramaic to the Bible that he called the Lambs of Bible. And he said in his translation, as he read the words, it didn't say, why hast thou forsaken me? It said, for this purpose, I was born. See, this is what it means. Jesus was telling us he was not, he was the great example. He was not the great example. He was the great, he was not the great exception. He was the great example of our possibilities. He was telling us this was his moment. He had been waiting for that he was born. You know, I, you know, you know, I, I do some Sports analogies. I was watching the NCAA playoffs in the Final Four, which is to me the, fam- the greatest, you know, uh, basketball or sports events there is. And it was great to watch the, all the tournaments, the men and the women. The women's were actually even better. It was so good this year. Yeah. <laughs> but oftentimes, individuals were in these games, the champions, you know, they, they, they said this is what they've been training for. They're in the final four for the championship. And people ask, well, how does it feel? You're in front of 80,000 people in person. There's millions of people watching you on TV. This moment, all the little things they would say is what I've been training for. In other words, this is why I got up early in the morning. Why I went to bed early. Why I was doing practicing and drills when everyone else was you know, going to sleep. It was for this moment that I was preparing for. It's for this moment I was born. So we take that principle and realize the Easter story is not about something that happened way back then, a nostalgic retrospective look. We take a forward look at Easter to remind us that we are here to do what's for us to do in the days ahead. You know, we look at our world and you know, country and it sees a lot of political polarization, gun violence. Most recently, you know, in uh, Tennessee where some children and teachers were killed. We see our culture wars, economic divide, climate emergencies. But I would say that it was for this purpose we were born. And Easter reminds us that in every moment of our life, that we're here to realize that whatever we're going through, whatever we're growing through, we're not to shirk from the situation. We're not to shirk from the circumstance or the thing that seems to overwhelm our human understanding. Not at all. When we begin to know who we are spiritually, when we begin to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're spiritually made in the image and likeness and out of God, when we begin to pray from that vantage point, we will stand and say, for this purpose, I was born. For this purpose, we were born. Whatever is happening, I know it's here for me to go beyond myself, 
It is here for me to go beyond the boundaries, beyond what I ever thought was possible in my life. This situation is calling for the highest and best within me to shine and ever shine. So we see the seeming betrayals rightly. We begin to see that any seeming betrayal from that vantage point, we begin to practice that way of being in the world. And when we do that, we move from being a victim to a victor to a vessel of the spirit of the living God. Understand, we're not here. We're not here to be victims. There's no victims here. I mean, you may know some victims. I know there's no victims here. But understand, there's probably a few people out there. But Easter recognized that a victim has an unforgiveness story. A lot of people like to play victim. And they like to stay on the cross. They talk about this story over and over and over and over again. And oftentimes when I hear the victim story, I sometimes want to say, get off the cross. Somebody else could use the wood. We can use it for a chair. We can use it for some artwork or a table or something like that. The forward look of Easter reminds us that there is a here and now that resurrections are built upon the consciousness of forgiveness. I was sharing earlier that, you know, my life has never always been, my life has not been a straight line. You know, I had some riotous living in my life in my earlier days. Drugs, alcohol, my life just was collapsing. Everything I thought was important just disappeared. You know, despite, you know, what appeared to be good stuff in my life, I thought I had messed it up. And I had gone through some treatment centers, and, 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 and one of the most important things that really got me on my road of recovery was that I had to take a solid look at myself. And the thing that I had to do more than anything I had to do was to practice the power of forgiveness. Not just for other people, but mostly for myself. I think that all forgiveness is self-forgiveness. You start within yourself. And then once I did that, it began like the fog had lifted from me. I was elevated to a whole different level. Something began to change within me because I had practiced one of the most important spiritual practices that we can forgive, and that is to let it go. Forgiveness just simply means that we no longer carry the baggage of an experience that has no value for us right here and right now. So we hear Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we examine it very clearly. You know, perhaps our surface mind, when we're talking about other people, we might say, oh, yes, they knew exactly what they were doing when they were doing it. They knew what they were doing when they were gossiping about me. They knew what they were doing when they didn't act right and they were trying to hurt me. I don't get all this stuff that, you know, forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing when they were doing it. Now, I'm going to forgive them anyway. I'm just going to forgive them anyway because I'm supposed to do that, but I ain't going for the fact that they didn't know what they were doing. (laughs) Well, let me shed a whole different light on this approach or this particular prayer or access a different prayer dimension. We want to understand that our critics, our so-called enemies, are our best friends in disguise. They're our best friends in disguise because they push us to a new level. They make us go deep where we wouldn't go by ourselves. They make you pray when you don't want to, when you don't have the discipline to do it, because sometimes that's all we can do. We can't figure it out, and mentally, the pain is just too great. 
So we've been betrayed by life, and sometimes it's too much. So we got to go deep. At that moment, those individuals, when they're doing stuff that we think are being done to us, they don't know what they're doing. Because what they're doing, they're making us so large for the presence and the power and the love of God. They're making us shine and radiate and make us access dimensions of our being that we would not be able to touch without their assistance. They knew it was going to be, if, let me tell you, if they knew it was going to be that good for you, they would not do it. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. You know, try to keep current with some of the current events. You know, I had a civics teacher, I think, in high school, said, oh, it keeps their current events. But nowadays, they got so much stuff, you know, you know it's like overwhelming. But yeah, I started to stay up of what's going on. And you may be familiar with the, the lawmakers down in uh, Tennessee, two young guys, uh, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. They're, they're part of the, the uh, Tennessee Three. Just uh, if you're not familiar with they were expelled from the state legislature for allegedly violating the chamber's rules of decorum by participating in a uh, uh, gun control protest at the Capitol there. And of course, you know, they got rid of them and they thought they were getting rid of these irritants. But all they did is propel them to national and international fame. <laughs> I would say if they knew what they were doing, they would not do it. They just propel them to a whole different level. <coughs> the point is, Jesus practiced forgiveness. He did not indulge in the victim story. You know, when he came back and the disciples saw him and they were stunned and in awe, he just said, relax, you know, I'm here. This is really me. Look at the body. These are some real scars. But one thing he didn't do, he didn't go over the crucifixion story. He didn't say, Shh, you see what they did to me, man? I, did, you, did you hear what Judas said about me? Peter, I thought he was my boy. He denied me three times. They abandoned me, man. They beat me on the cross. They made me carry my own cross, and it was heavy. He did not do that. He gave them their charge. He gave them their walking papers and said, go forth and heal all nations. Amen. Easter reminds us that we are here to be healers for the world today. You know, when we see a disturbance in the force, we must see it rightly. We must look through the right window. And then take action that aligns with what we are seeing. And I think the key to the demonstration of Easter is this, that we, you, we all are divine. No matter what you have thought of yourself, no matter what you have done or not done in our life or in our world, how limited our experience may seem to be, we must remember that we are divine beings. Yes, we're human, but we're also spiritual and divine. And that part of us that's eternal, that part of us that is ageless, that part of us that is deathless, that part of us that is whole and complete. You know, sometimes the Easter loses its flavor because we're hung up on the cross and making it a religion in retrospect. 
But the forward look of Easter reminds us to embody the need to forgive, to let go of the crucifixion, to let go of the self-limiting concepts that we have about life, that darkness and suffering must give way to the presence and the power and the light and the inner power that says we can go beyond the end of what appears to be the human way. There's a new opportunity and a new vision that we can have to overcome. Yes, Jesus in the Easter story demonstrated the resurrection principle that death can be overcome in that story, but it's a symbol for something greater. Because what's more important is that you and I can rise above any experience and go forward and through any dark hour to a new beginning. No matter what the obstacles that we face, there's a potential within you and me that has great power that help us rise and conquer and to overcome. You know, every year on Easter, millions of people throughout the world proclaim, Hallelujah! He is risen. We sang that earlier. We opened that up. But we must catch the deep implication of Easter with our statement of our own that not only is Christ is risen, but we have risen. That has risen in us. And I believe that if everyone would realize and proclaim he has risen in me, it will enable us to see that we not only can rise, but every person can rise. And when we do that, we will literally see peace on earth and goodwill toward all because we're rising to the highest and best of who and what we are. The world needs this today. It must not be allowed to, to catch the dust of being on the shelf and just taken down once a year during Easter. Dwelling upon the Easter in the right spirit, we come to know through the resurrecting power we can see beyond appearance. We can roll away the stones of limitation that our life, your life, may shine. They may glorify the power and the presence and the love of God that sent each and every one of us. That's resurrection. That's life in God. That's the forward look of Easter. As I mentioned, I had my own crucifixion experiences where I reached such a low, I didn't want to go forward anymore in life. But somehow I had a couple of spiritual experiences that kind of let me know that, you know, it's not over. And that's why I always love Easter, because it lets us know that there's a power that is greater than the circumstances that we face. As it says that that was in you is far more powerful than anything that you see in the world. We need to tap into that always. So as I close out today in this Easter that we want to be part of our life every day, you know, I can't leave this service without doing what I usually do on Easter morning. It's been my tradition. And that's this. Is that when this is something that, you know, as I like to say, was not found in the original Bible or any versions of the Bible, not even the Lambs of the Bible. This was in the, found in the James Trap version. <laughs> and this is where Jesus did his thing. And the people had thought they had gotten rid of this nuisance this troublemaker, this rebel, this individual who challenged the status quo. But they rolled away the stone after they thought he was gone. 
And they found that he was not there. And they were in shock. They were in awe. And then all of a sudden, comes strolling Jesus. And he said, ta-da. I'm back. Or I think he really said, ta-da. How you like me now? And I say he clicked up. And he said, I'm free, baby. I'm free. It's time to take our own power back and to be free. Today is Easter. Celebrate it in your life. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center